There it is. That's the sound you hear. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio coming to you live once again from downtown Brooklyn. Forever and always, America's downtown. Isn't that right, Johnny? That is right. Well, thank you. Uh, we've got a big show today. I know we always say that, right? We always say we've got a big show. It's always a big show. Always seems to be a big show. We've got a lot going on today, though. It's true. We, it is a, it's a Columbus Day. That's so right. Lots of controversy there. Maybe we'll touch on that, right? Hero, villain. Who knows? Depends who, who knows? you ask. I guess. Maybe. <laughs> And uh, it's also, uh, we had a big Red Sox game on right now as That's we speak. Right. People are watching the Red Sox game. They're playing the, what's the other team, John? Houston Astros. Houston Astros. Who are you rooting for? Sox. Crying shame. Let's go, Sox. Crying shame. Crying shame. He's rooting for the Sox. Sitting here in Brooklyn rooting for the Sox. Just not supposed to happen, but it's happening today on Brooklyn Paper Radio. As always, brought to you by our good friends, Dr. Joseph Lichter, DDS, and of course, Village Care Max. Village Care Max. Live the life you want to live. You got to live that life, right? Go That's socks. Go now listen, socks. on the show today, we have Dan Hedix. Now it's weirdly spelt last name H E T T E I X. You got it. I don't. I don't. Uh, where? What is that? What's? Where does that come from? What is? What does Hedix mean? I believe that it's just an extremely long name where they put the X out where they couldn't continue with the letters. So it's just like X X X. I got it. Well, he's the creator of the website, the Ambrose Light. Yep. That it. is an onion-esque satirical website that pokes fun mostly of politics and politicians in Bay Ridge, among other things. Among other things. Every once in a while, they might poke fun of a newspaper, say. <laughs> Possible. How Possible. dare you? Maybe maybe poke fun of yourself. Oh, all the time. Yeah, that's happening as well. And you can visit that website. It's at medium.com, the hyphen, Ambrose hyphen, light. No hyphen after that. L-I-G-H-T. <laughs> you got it. Not L-I-T-E. Not L-I-T-E. we got to be clear on That's that. That's right. You know, because they can't. Johnny, put that on the board. You got it. Put it up on the board. Put so it on the board, So yes. our, our listeners can see it. <laughs> also joining me on the show is Ross Barkin. That's, That's B-A-R-K-A-N. Correct. Not E-N. Yep. You are not related to Ellen Barkin, the actress? No, no relation. That have, I know of. Have you ever gone on like one of those television shows where they look at your roots and ancestry and see, in fact, that you are possibly related to Ellen Barkin? No, they always seem like a waste of money. Okay. Who is Ellen Barkin? It's say Ellen? Ellen. It's Ellen, Ellen Barkin, Johnny. Who is Ellen. that? Ellen Barkin a is great a great actress. Yeah, huh. an actress. Yes, very famous actress. Name that film. You know, she's been in a lot of movies. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, he's a journalist who has written for Gothamist. He's written for the Guardian, and he's written for the no longer in print but still very much online Village Voice. Uh, and he wants to challenge Marty Golden of the Senate seat in Bay Ridge. Isn't that right? That's correct. So when are, you, when are you doing that? When's the campaign start? Campaign has started. It started last week. I announced last Tuesday. So we're in the campaign as we speak. So that seat is up. He's up next year. So next year. It's not the election that's coming up in a couple nope. of weeks. This is something that's happening a year from now. Yes. But we're getting right on top of this. Now, where are we going to start, Johnny? Where am I starting? Am I going to start with Dan or am I going to start with Ross? Can I throw you a curveball? Go. Ross and I. Haven't spoken for 10 years. Turns out, Ross, two feet away from me, we were on the same Little League baseball team at 17 years old. You know, you're going to say... That's not Little League, Johnny. It's teenage, teenage League baseball. Yeah, Teenage League. That's kind of like, I would call it like Babe Ruth League, possibly. But was it high school? High school. Was it a high school team? No, no. no it was a summer summer team. No, it was just a summer league. How'd you guys do? We got to the championship game and we lost it. Did you pitch? Uh, I was an outfielder. I, I pitched sporadically, but mostly an outfielder. And in that game, the head coach went out to left field where Ross was, threw his hat on the ground, and told him to get off the field. Wait. There's a big the coach, hubbub. 
the the coach, coach, the coach threw his hat on the ground or Ross's hat on the ground? Threw his own hat. His own hat in, in a rage. I, I gave him the middle <laughs> finger because he was yelling at me. I believe it was because I didn't steal home on a ball that got away from the catcher, if I recall. And he thought I was a lazy base runner, and he was getting on me the whole game. And so I, I as being a 17-year-old and a little more impudent than I am now, gave him the middle finger and so he was going to pull me out of the game, but we only had nine players, so he would have had a two-man <laughs> outfield. So they kept me in, and then we we lost. But it was a some, probably the most memorable day. Of All right, so you're on life. third base. What inning is it when you're on third base? I have no idea. Probably probably a later inning. Oh, it was late like in the a game. Fifth. Were you guys winning or losing at the time? Do you it might remember? have been a tie ball game. It was close. It was a close. It was like a close game. The ball gets away from the catcher, and yeah, you kind of you kind of scamper off the bag. I didn't go. Yeah, he, he. I think he felt in general that I was. I, I was always. I was. I love to hit. I still love hitting. I good play hitter. Softball now. Fine um, hitter. But yeah, hitting was always the thing I liked the most. And then I was more maybe indifferent to the rest of the game. And I don't know. I, I always had a bit of an attitude in the sport. So I think he picked up on that. We were kind of. He's a good guy. He's a good coach. We were kind of went at it a lot. And then I think he he lost his temper with me. And then I lost his temper with him. And then. Um, I was nearly pulled from a championship game. You were almost pulled from it. You were told to leave the field, but then the coach realized, wait a second. I think, if I recall, weren't our teammates sort of protesting that, like, we can't play with eight players, and he kind of came to his senses. Is that what happened? Being the captain of the team. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Leader. Johnny, you were the captain <laughs> of the team. I wasn't the best player on the team, but I was a spiritual leader. He was. This is, this so is correct. So how can this be? You know, I just get along well with everybody. He was. He's a charismatic. He's a, he's a good, good catcher. Good, good, solid. Hitter, I had a I full head of hair back then. I mean, I was like a lion. You know, so I go out to left field and I have a conversation with Ross. Ross, it's all good. Let's move on. I remember, yeah. And uh, the game ends with a ground ball to me. I go to tag out the runner, trying to make a double play. The runner knocks the ball out of my glove, goes into the outfield, run scores. We lose, but yeah, everybody's you were playing. Right. Remember, you played some second base, too. I did play right. some second base. Oh, so the ball was hit to you at second. At second, yeah. not at not catcher. catcher. No, I moved from catcher to second base. But listen, but that's not why we're here today. <laughs> and so I threw the curveball, you know, game over. Let's do a oh. real radio show here. All right. So let's go over to Dan Headicks. Right? We're mm-hmm. going to go it. that way? That's how we're going to pronounce <laughs> Let's it? Let's double check each time. <laughs> so now you write the Ambrose Light. Now just tell me a little, this is what we call the elevator pitch, about your website. What are you doing over there? How did you get started? And just, I'll give you the mic for a couple seconds. Just tell us what you're doing over there at the uh, Ambrose Light. Well, basically, um, on the internet, people make fun of each other. Um, that's primarily its purpose. It's true. Um, so what we're doing is we're taking that and focusing it on hyper-local politicians um, and neighbors and basically anyone that uh, kind of cheeses me off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, mainly it's trying to take a comedic element to local news, add in a little undercurrent of actual facts in case you ever really care to click through to some of the hyperlinks, mm-hmm. and then just see what happens afterward. <laughs> so we describe this online as kind of like the onion for, for local news. Oh, or, yeah. Or maybe like, uh, you know, The Daily Show or something like that. Is that some of your influences here? Is some that of, what you... Some of the influences. Um, onion is definitely an influence. Um, maybe a little bit of a Prairie Home Companion combined with um, uh, alternate history, alternate reality Bay Ridge. All of the characters here are exceedingly over-the-top versions of themselves, and there's continuity. So if I say someone's a vampire on this uh, on the Ambrose Light, 
Mm-hmm. They stay a vampire for the entirety of every subsequent journal article. Right. I, I noticed that in the Liam McCabe story. You did a story about how Liam McCabe had officially changed his name to... Liam McCabe. Liam McCabe, but all capital letters. Yes. Okay. And this was actually pitched to me as a story, okay, <laughs> by one of my reporters. They're like, Liam McCabe changed his name. And I'm like, A... That sounds resi- ridiculous, but B, if it's true, that's that is the greatest story ever. <laughs> All right, we got to we got to we got to write about this, right? So we find out. That's how we found out about your site. We found out that no, this is a satirical website. But at the time, we didn't know who you were because at the time you were doing it kind of uh, anonymously. Oh yeah, I was just throwing random stuff out onto the internet. I had no intention of making it about me, but now that it can be about me, I'd love to be on a bunch of radio shows. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now, why were you doing it anonymously at first, and what made you actually, you know, come out? Well, basically, I was volunteering for one of the campaigns, so I was volunteering for the um, Cotter LU team campaign. Ooh, wait a second here, wait a second here. This sounds like, oh, now all of a sudden yeah, this sounds like Yeah, there we go. News. Now there's starting to be mm. some, some conspiracy here. Oh, uh-huh. no, someone's throwing some, left, some curveballs out. Um, really... I was just trying to keep cover for all of the other actual campaigns and real news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, one of our taglines that we were hoping to put for the, uh, for the Ambrose Light was making fake news fake again. <laughs> nice. It's actually not bad. So you were, so you were actually working for, uh, what was his name? Oh, Cotter L.U. Team. Volunteering. Okay. Basically uh, going back and forth and canvassing and things like that. Okay. But I know how much people can get uh, so upset. So did, did you not say who you were until after the election was over? After the primary was over, and no one could say that one campaign was doing this to poor Liam over another. All right, so now was um, the candidate you were working for, L-Team, did you ever make fun of him on the website? I made fun of, actually, I made fun of no Democrats until the primary was over. Okay, so this, okay, so I could see why people would be upset by this. There you go, hence the anonymous. Would you be upset about this if you were a a politician? Uh, I don't know, I'm I'm a big satire guy, it's what I did for most of my college career, so Mm -hmm. um, I I understand that, I've done some pretty, pretty uh, tough, tough satire in my day, so (laughs) I I could could feel it. All right, because here's the, I mean, the... I could see why people would like all of a sudden say, "Wait a second, this guy's working for somebody. He's volunteering for somebody, but he's writing, you know, for lack of a better term, shit about other people." <laughs> and you know, is that is that actually fake news? Is that trying to? But I, when I looked at the the site, it was abundantly clear to me that it was satire. It was written as satire, but. What was the feedback? Did you get feedback from any of the politicians that you were writing about? Oh, we clearly got feedback from Liam McCabe. And I almost don't want to give him any more air since he kind of like crashed and burned during his campaign. But (laughs) he was genuinely upset that we made fun of some cupcakes that were made in his honor for his campaign opening that um, had his face on top of them and said we were nastily insulting the baker that made these cupcakes. (laughs) But at the time, so he didn't know who was doing oh, it. Oh, no. Was, so how did you get this feedback? Was, was there comments online? Was oh, stuff- he would call up other report, local reporters and say that this stuff was going around and don't be fooled by the fact that someone had secondhand food poisoning. <laughs> did, he, did he understand that it, was, that it was satire, that you were just trying to have fun with it? Or did he, did he just... Oh, I sure hope he understood. It might require a couple of extra grade levels to maybe understand, but... <laughs> Right, so, we'll no, so, you're, so you're saying Liam McCabe is not that bright? I'm saying Liam McCabe isn't that bright. It, uh, I'm going to say that he's very easy to make fun of. <laughs> wow. wow. So anybody else uh, get back to you on it? or? Well, 
Not yet, although I'm really not sure if we can find anyone who's as easily goaded into engaging with a clearly fake news article, but Michael Grimm did just enter the race. Oh. There you go. Oh, there you Any, go. Anything can happen there. Uh, one of my <laughs> reporter assignments was to go to the Owl's Head bar, the wine bar in Bay Ridge, where Michael Grimm allegedly had a tryst to the young woman and I was at the New York Observer. They wanted me to go there and, and talk to people there and I don't think uh, I don't think I got very far, but it's my <laughs> Michael Grimm story. What is a tryst? It's like a tryst. Ah. Okay. <laughs> a tryst with somebody. Tryst, they, uh, is that a good thing, a bad you, thing? You, do you have, don't you have your dictionary on Yeah, let me, go, I'll Google it. I'll yeah, Google it. You got a dictionary. A relationship you need... in a bathroom that might have been sexual in nature. <laughs> Did you, you need... know that? You know that's what he meant? I knew exactly what he meant. Okay. I knew of the story as well. Oh, right. As, yeah. as the editor yeah. of the Brooklyn no, Paper. Right. <laughs> you would know that. Yeah. I had heard some things. Uh-huh. You know? A and tryst. That's a good word. Well, the thing is, when you're writing about something like that, you have to be very careful, and you have to make sure that you're getting the facts correct. Um, I'm not sh- I know. I know I heard of the story. I'm not sure if we ever actually wrote anything about it. Um, but if we didn't, it was because we didn't have the kind of information we needed to go to go public with it. You need three sources. Well, you got to have three sources at least. You have to be making phone calls to people. You have to you have to give the person that's being uh, accused of something or the ability to answer back if they if they so choose to. Sure. You know, a lot of people when they read the paper, they see someone didn't respond to comment, and they're like, oh, they didn't give them a chance to comment. I'm like, no, we gave them a chance to comment. Mm. They chose not to. Didn't but, respond. Yeah, but we have to, uh, we got to be clear on all that stuff. Sure. All right, so now, Ross. Yes. You were or are a journalist. Correct. And now I'm, I'm kind of seeing some, 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 uh, I'm, I'm kind of seeing some things that are kind of similar between the two of you guys here. You're going to start running for office. Do you plan on, at least I read, that you still plan on to write about other things, politics and I, stuff like I, that? I want to. So I have a national <laughs> politics column with The Guardian. I write on Donald Trump, the national scene. Um, I plan to continue doing that since that's not uh, that's not local or related to my race really in any way. Mm-hmm. The other stuff's definitely trickier. Um, I think one thing I might do is write a bit about the campaign as a candidate and just explain for readers and for the public and people wondering like what is it like to be an actual candidate for office like, like the drudgery the challenges knocking on doors handing out flyers Th- that's the big thing money all these guys say listen i'm out there knocking on doors every day i don't yeah. believe it <laughs> no <laughs> one's ever knocked on my door Are you, where, where do you live well i live on staten island of course yeah no one's ever knocked on my door. Now, people and, and that... And you're a pri- you, you vote in primaries and you, you vote a lot? Uh, I vote a lot, but I'm a registered independent as a journalist. Right. So so that's... that's um, if, you're, if you're registered in a party, you're going to be targeted more than if you're a, a blank is, is a... The official term. It was the official term. I'm a blank. You're, you're a blank. blank. You're not. You're not oh in a party. God. I don't you're look at you that way, though. Is that a you're curse not, word? You're not in a party. So it, they, seem, they, it seems like a curse pl- word. The political operatives they, they call that a blank. <laughs> not in a party. I was not. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a new. I'm a pretty new, newly not a. I was did not register as a Democrat until not too long ago. So I can understand not wanting to be in a political party. What were you registered as? Uh, I was. I was. In, I was also not registered to a party. You were so an, a blank. In, an independent. Independent. Not an. Not the Independence in, Party. Yes, right, that's that's right. Not the Independence Party. I was you a were political in, independent. Correct? Independence Day, or Will Smith. Day. Well, that was Will Smith. It's right. also a holiday in in July. The, true. True. And there was a sequel. Yeah, Independence Day two. Hmm. Uh. It was years later. 
Not as good. No, not nearly as good. So you've been covering politics all this time. Now, what makes you want to take a leap into this swamp? Well, the, the fact that it is a swamp, and I, I've grown increasingly frustrated with how politicians have been handling many of the crises we now face, whether it's health care, whether it's transportation, whether it's the ability to afford a place to live, all these various things. I've been following the political process in, in New York City on the state level, and you know, I, I'm someone who's very much an outsider because you know I've not been part of a political club. I've not you know been involved in you know various politically connected entities, and so I just found over the, over the summer and and moving forward that I was really getting tired of, of the crap, and I felt you know next year is going to be a very interesting year, and I don't really like the incumbent state senator very much. I don't think he's done his job very well, and I said, you know what? I have ideas. I have vision. Um, I want to offer myself up there, and, and it could be also an interesting thing to do as well, but I am, I am serious, and I do intend to win. So you say hey. I don't know if I will, but I I am going to try my best. <laughs> well, as long as the coach doesn't come out to the field, <laughs> not going to and throw you off the ballot. Not, not Joe Namath. You will. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have a shot. Right. So you said that you're an outsider, but as a political columnist, aren't you by definition an insider? Yes and no. I mean, I know, look. I know. I know the players. I know the players very well. I know all the elected officials basically, and they 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 know me. Um, but in in terms, if you read my columns and my writing, I'm someone who's been very critical of the political establishment, whether it's the state senate and how it operates, whether it's Governor Cuomo, whether it's um, the city council, Mayor De Blasio. I mean, I, I I've lost track of all of the. Mm people and parties and entities that I have eviscerated at one point or another over the past few years. So that, that could arguably make it a lot harder to run for office. But I think what people respect is that I'm not afraid to tell um, you what I think. Uh, an issue a lot of journalists, I mean, I, I have this benefit of being a columnist, but you know, you can know where I stand and very open about my values and my beliefs and also how I see things. And so for me, in some ways, it was a natural transition in that I'm someone who's been opining on the process for a while and holding people to account. Now I'm going to be trying to do that in a new way. Now, let's say you win. Let's say. Let's say you're the state senator. Let's do it. Hypothetically. From, Hypothetically. Let's say you're, you're the state senator from January in 2019. Session starts. Yeah. So uh, do you stop writing at that point? Well, I mean, it's going to be hard to do the the frequent writing I've been doing. It's definitely a different ballgame. What I would say oh, come is... On, come on, This is a part-time job. part-time job. If you do it well, it's not. But, yeah, te technically, you can have an outside income, which I what don't What do you I don't think support, Marty Golden is doing right Marty now? Marty Golden, that's an excellent question. I, I see him at the gym a lot, so it could be there. <laughs> uh, it's possible. You know, Marty... My issue with Marty isn't necessarily um, a, a personal issue at all. I think the issue with Marty is that he's wrong on most of the issues and also that um, on, I would say, problems that don't have a Democratic or Republican solution necessarily, he's been totally MIA. And I go back to transportation. It's the big one. Uh, but, but to your other question, what would I do? I don't know. I mean, I, I would hope to maybe write columns in some way. I mean, politicians do still write and submit columns. Uh, maybe yeah, I ignore those. I could write. We don't that, run that. that. <laughs> you don't have to run. You don't have to run mine. Um, you know, 
look, I, I want to, you know, someday, you know, do do more extensive writing, write books. Like, I don't know, politicians write books. They're usually bad books. And I have, try to write a if, good if one. If you go in my office, I have, I uh, I have politicians. I think it was a assemblyman. I, all, I don't know who it is. It might have been Colton. It might. I, I, don't, I shouldn't say his right. name. I don't unless, know if Bill Colton wrote a book. But unless, sure. All right. So it was the, the, the headline. It ran in, in like the Home Reporter or something yeah. like that. And the headline said, you know, Third Avenue, whatever, a community victory. No, right? it's not going to be my book. No. Right? So let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. So then you read the story, and it starts off about how everybody worked together to get this, whatever it was, done. Yes. But it quickly became how he got it done by himself. It's like, and that's what happens when they send you these uh, right. these op-eds. They're basically puff pieces about themselves. Right, exactly. Could you write an op-ed that wasn't a puff piece about yourself? I think I could, yeah. I've, I've been doing that for a while, so I, I would hope to draw on my... Uh, my previous experience of not writing puff pieces about myself and, and, and do a do a decent op-ed, yeah. Okay. Well, well, there you have it. Listen, I got a lot more questions for you. We got to get back to Dan. We got a lot of things to talk about, but we got to pay some bills. That's right. Because that's how we do it over here, you know? Keeping the lights on. There you go. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. You can answer me, you know, without crapping on the advertisers. Are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care and affordable price? I mean, the both of you, Dan. Only the Ross, first one. Sure. All right, so you're looking for quality care, but you're not worried about an affordable price. I am worried about it. You're worried price. about it. Then you know what you got to do? You got to call Dr. Joseph Lichter because the okay. dentist and skilled hygienist at Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technologies and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. A lot of people don't like to go to the dentist. They don't like to go. They go, they're like afraid, something's going to hurt, but don't worry. You go to Lichter, you trust them. You know, Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures such as teeth cleaning. Everybody needs their teeth clean. You got to do it every six months. Uh, fillings, you get a cavity, they got to fill it. Root canal, that's a little worse. I don't know how that happens, but apparently they drill like canals in your gums and stuff and they clear it all out. Sounds horrible. Well, it's going to happen to you someday, Johnny, because I'm looking at your teeth. Yeah, I know. And I think you got to make a trip to Dr. Lichter right now. Okay, Dr. Lichter's office, you could give him a call today at 718-339-7878. You can set up an appointment. You can just show up. But that probably won't work. You should give him a call first. He's at 718-339-7878. Dr. Lichter is located at 1420 Avenue P. That's between East 14th and East 15th Streets of Midwood. And you can visit his website online at josephlichterdds.com. Vince, I got a grandmother. She says, when my kids go to put me in a home, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, my God. I go, Grandma, don't worry about it. We're not putting you in a home. We're calling Village Care Mask. Wait, wait, wait. Do you even have a say in this, or would it be up to your parents? Well, I just say, listen, don't worry about it, because Village Care Max, they're a Medicaid-managed long-term plan that helps keep you in your home. You don't need to go to that nursing home. So wait a second. Talk with, to with me. With Village Care Max, instead of being sent somewhere that you don't want to be, that's right. you could stay right in your home doing the things that you want to do. That's right. They and got it, a team. But what's it cost you? Johnny, what's well, it cost you? It's Medicaid managed. So they'll work with you to keep the price affordable. They got a team of healthcare professionals. They'll work with your doctor around the clock, help you obtain the best healthcare options available to you. You want more information? Of course I do. You give them a call, Village Care Max, 1 800 469 6292, or visit them online at villagecaremax.org. Tell them the Brooklyn Paper Radio sent you. That'd be nice. All and right. that's all we got. All right, we're going to kill that. Oh, look at that. Excellent fade. Mm. All right, Dan, back to you. Now, you sat here, you heard what Ross had to say. Mm -hmm. What's your first story on him? 
first story? Oh yeah. gosh. Now there there's you you already gave the baseball pitch part, so <laughs> that's already gonna be the prequel. We have to we should do that now. <laughs> do we it. need to set we need to set the stage here. <laughs> well, let me uh, let's get serious about your website though. Yeah. Um is it something that people are that people are reading on radio? How many like page views are you getting? We're getting or? about fifty page views a day on like mm-hmm. on off days when we haven't published anything in like maybe five or six days. We'll how go often down to about ten? How about, often do you refresh? Um, we try to do it once to twice a week, especially as elections are getting closer and uh-huh. there are more things happening. And who's working on it? Are you doing it all by yourself? All or? by myself. Okay. <laughs> and you're and the the uh, the platform that you're on. What's the name of the platform? A uh, platform is called um, is Medium? Medium. Yeah, Medium.com. Basically a no-frills, just publish, maybe throw in a couple of images, that's it, and get it out. So I, don't I, have to manage a I website. I kicked off my campaign on Medium. It's there a very good you have a, yeah. you have a manifesto. On I do have a manifesto. A manifesto. That's what someone called it, and I, I ran with that, yeah. I actually called it that today. <laughs> oh, you did? Someone <laughs> else called it that, too. In so. previous satirists and Bay Ridge resident Dan Hiddick's. And journalists and want to be pom- oh no I wrote it someplace else it's definitely somewhere I have okay. it somewhere on the on the on the website now what happens after the race is over because politics you know making fun of politics frankly is easy all right oh, yeah. you, you're not um, you're I mean you're really not you know you don't, you're not beholden to you know, a lot of the the um, the laws regarding uh, you know uh, Slander and yeah, all of slander, this stuff. Yeah, you can't like, defamation. When, yeah, when a politician's out there, you, it's pretty much open game, and you have a lot of people's attention. I know that our we have a um, we have a columnist uh, Julianne Cuba who writes a politics column every week, and it's one of the most popular things that we write. And all the politicians know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they know about it. And when we wanted to have the politicians come in for the Bay Ridge Council seat, uh, it was very easy to get them in here. But it was only very easy because of that column. I'm I'm convinced because they all read the column. They knew what she was talking about, and it's you know it's a politics gossip column. It's just people calling her up, giving her tips and stuff like that. What happens when this political season is over? What are you going to do? What are you going to write about? And are, uh, you know what's the future of the Ambrose Light? And then we'll get into the past and how you named it and all oh, that crap. Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, <laughs> first of all, like right, what's going on right now? Like Bay Ridge is already a kind of a sleepy burg in so many respects. Our local politics, even in the high season is about like a couple of cricket whispers in the overall like city uh, environment afterward oh there's a ton of community boards are always fun <laughs> community boards if, if you can stay awake for them they either they're they're fall asleep or rip your hair out there have you ever been to a, a community board 11 mm, oh yes mo- mo- community 11. board 10s 11s I 11 have is bensonhurst 11 yeah, what I have, have you heard, heard about Let's leave that for the Ambrose Light. <laughs> they, they run a very tight ship over there. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you that. They run a very tight ship. All right, but so you, you think that you can find comedy in um, in community boards. Oh, and about 50 people gathered together in a room on a weekday afternoon, not wanting to be there, discussing liquor licenses. Uh, doesn't that sound hilarious? I will point out, sometimes <laughs> there's coffee. There we go. Sometimes it's good coffee. coffee. You can have it. Not, they, they've withheld that from me. All right. Well, sometimes you just stay after. If you get there at the end of the uh, at the end of the session, like in June, they might even have some uh, Danishes. Ooh. Yeah. No, it's not bad. It's Slurging. Not bad. <laughs> then what? So now, all right, you got community boards, but community boards don't happen in the summer. What are you writing about in the summer? Writing about in the summer? Yeah. Oh, there there is no end of complaints that come out of various other municipal agencies. I mean, this summer we've had the constant shutdowns for the MTA for the R line, um, multiple bus routes going in and out um, to replace the R line, and that's just there have been so many fun things. And now with politics extending out, uh, Ross. 
coming out, uh, what, like a couple go. weeks Giving ago? you material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. You're just, like, keeping me in for, like, you know, the winter now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to get back to, to Ross for a second about um, about the state senate. Sure. Um, what could, I mean, you talk about going in there and changing things. What can you possibly do in the state senate? I mean, this is a... You know, this is a body that, I mean, for the most part, does it accomplish anything? Well, it, it does. I mean, uh, most of the things that happen in New York City, people don't realize are controlled by Albany, whether it's uh, how higher minimum wage goes, what you pay in income tax, how the trains run. Um, you know, there's a, ho- there's a host of things that are entirely set by the state legislature. I mean, our, our Department of Education, the, the fact that it's consolidated under the aegis of the mayor, that's only because he got permission from the state legislature to do that. So there, there's so much policy that's set on the state level. The state Senate is the upper chamber. Um, right, I'm running as a Democrat. Right now, it's a slim Republican majority. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I do think with a Democratic majority, it would be much more favorable to New York City than a Republican IDC majority, which right now I would say is much more favorable to the suburbs and to upstate and is generally unfriendly to, um, you know, this city and and doesn't really deliver a whole lot for the city. We pay far more in taxes and services than Mm -hmm. we get back from the state. And that's a big problem. So actually, compared to the city council and compared to a lot of things, it's why I did the state Senate and not something else. It's because, well, a lot of the action, it really is up there, sleazy and terrible as it seems. Really, if you want to make profound change, I'd even mention uh, re- tenant tenant laws and, and and rent regulations, all set by the state. So, so many ways uh, your life is impacted by Albany speed cameras, speed limit. Again, state level people don't realize this. There's a lot that goes on up there. You like the speed cameras, Vince? What do you think of the speed cameras? Uh, I don't have a problem with speed cameras. How about you, Ross? I think speed. I think speed cameras are fine. Um, I do. Uh, I, I do. There is. There is. There is a gotcha sense of it where if someone is, you know, five miles an hour over or something or ten miles an hour and you get caught with a ticket, I understand the frustration there. I'm, I'm a driver myself, so I get that. But overall, look, we we have to be more pedestrian friendly. We have to have less people being killed by cars, and so if we can slow them down and make people more cognizant of that, I do think that's a good thing. Well, Vince is the most pedestrian-friendly driver in the city you'll ever meet. To just this morning, I'm driving here, what and this guy's trying to cross the street, but he's halfway through, uh-huh. and he's waving me to go. And I had to roll down the window because he wouldn't take my wave. I'm like, no, the Vince go. wave, yeah. Go. He's got to take the wave. Go. Just yeah. get across the street. <laughs> it's raining. I'm in a car. I'm dry. You're wet. <laughs> See that? You're thinking about the guy, clearly. I, wor- I, worry, I worry about him. I really do. So, But the status quo in Albany... It's quite poor. Is, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they love the status quo. Yes, and I and, don't. And, you know, if you win a seat as a, as a Democrat, which, by the way, I just want to... You know, I read your manifesto. Like, did you purposefully not point out that you're a Democrat? Or it's like, it's not clear... That that you're running as a Democrat. Um, I I say in there that that I am running as a Democrat. There, there's a line kind of deep. About that. You kind of buried the lead. Go. I don't know if that's the lead. I, I would say the lead <laughs> is I'm running on my ideas. But look, I'm not someone who is very enamored with party leadership. I'm not someone who's a loyal party soldier by any means. Um, I'm someone who's been incredibly critical of Democrats. I mean, by virtue of my profession and by virtue of the columns I write. 
you go back and and I'd say 90 plus percent of what I write is being critical of of what the governor is doing, of what the Democrat run city council is doing, what the Democratic mayor is doing. So I am running as a Democrat. I do think it is the better of the two parties, generally speaking, certainly in New York. It's, it's where power is for the most part. And I do agree with more of the principles of the Democratic Party, but I'm also not someone who's going to sit here and say the Democratic Party rules and everything they do is great and the thing, things need to be continuing as they're going because I really don't believe that. So you'd be a Democrat with an independent streak? Yes. Okay, I could see that happening, but I can't see you getting past the Brooklyn Democrats to get the nomination. How would you do that? Um, I mean, you don't need you, you, if you run in a primary and you get get more votes than your opponent. You're, you're the Democratic nominee, so there's no, the, you know. I, I mean, I'm, pr- I'm probably going to have an opponent, but if I beat him, I'm so you I'm have the no in, you have no intention of dealing with the Brooklyn Democratic. I mean, Party. I'm I'm meet, I'm going to meet with everyone. I'm going to meet with elected officials. I'm in the process of doing that. If they want to reach out and talk to me, they can. I mean, the truth be told, party machines are not particularly powerful in any borough. Um, certainly, they aren't in Brooklyn. I've studied this very closely. I mean, I mean, they're not what they were 30, 40 years ago. So they really don't run things like they used to. And I think overall, that's a good thing. Power is much more decentralized. And it's really up. To, if you run a good campaign, if you raise money, if you hustle, you can beat anyone. So I, I'm not saying that naively. I'm saying that as a bare fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to argue that it might be a little naive because I've been covering politics in this town. Johnny. He's a chief. Since I mean. since the early 90s. And I think that, you know, when people go up against the Democratic Party, they might go into it thinking that it's not, it's not as powerful as, as it might be. But then I see guys like, you know, Daniel Squadron, who was a... He was a Good state, last name, by the way. Mm-hmm. State senator who just, I mean, ultimately just bowed down to the party. And as he's leaving, going out the door, saying he's doing something to allow, to, to keep people from being disenfranchised... While he's disenfranchising people, right? Well, he won his seat by defeating a longtime incumbent who, who was backed by the party. I mean, that was he, he was actually my age. He was a 20, 28 year old at the time, uh-huh. and he was an insurgent. I mean, he raised a ton of money, he had a lot of connections, but he defeated a guy who'd been there, Marty Connor, for I believe thirty years, and he was Marty Connor was the ultimate party guy. So, I mean, you raised the <laughs> Marty money. Con- Marty Connor was the ultimate party guy who started out as a progressive. Right. I mean, if you follow the history of all these guys, and this is what I tell my reporters, they start off as everyone starts off as a sure. as a as a progressive, and we're going to make change. And then once they get in, you know, it's just status quo again. So how? But do, why is that? Though? Well, that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm going to ask Ross. All how right. how are we going to make sure that you don't just become the next Marty Connor? I mean, I hope that journalists and everyone out there hold me accountable and you know keep my feet to the fire. I mean, what I would say is. I think part of it is they haven't come up in party politics. They haven't been, you know, rising through the municipal muck to, to get here. <laughs> I think it helps them kind of coming here at my age and my perspective from the outside. I mean, the, the, I, I would say um, there are some politicians who have stayed true to their values. I mean, I think of a guy like Bernie Sanders who love him or hate him. He's been the same guy for 30 plus years and now he's in a position of power he's arguably the leader of the democratic party now and one thing he has not done is modulated his viewpoints or become someone else so i agree you look at ed koch he's a reformer in greenwich village and he was the opposite as mayor of new york so it's it, it's a challenge but it's a challenge i expect to meet and I, I think i can stay true to who i am and also acquire some power wow you know he's got my vote <laughs> i got one i'll tell you right now you got my vote he's gonna get the brooklyn paper Johnny, bounce where do you live 
Well, I live in Queens now, but <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I'm send a do- not, not, not helpful, Johnny. Send a donation. That'll help. Not helpful. Not, yeah, <laughs> I got to ask you for a donation. <laughs> all right. All right, so Dan, mm-hmm. what do you think of all this? Well, I actually, I totally agree with the idea that, you know, there's a certain kind of, like, you get... If you want to be elected in Brooklyn, you start off as an aide. You start off as someone who gets to take a lot of that credit for fixing potholes. It seems like everybody who comes up the ranks starts off in one city council or assembly person's district says, I fixed your pothole. I get to meet you on a bunch of block parties. We're going up against Marty Golden here. Marty Golden's the master of just walking out to a block party, glad handing everybody and their kid, and then walking back, not doing a single actual piece of legislative action, and knowing that everyone's going to support him because he showed up to the block party. Um, then you get to drag out your aid. Right now we have um, John Quaglione in uh, the city council race and Justin Brennan, both aides for Vincent Gentili and Marty Golden. It's a continuation of that kind of spectrum. And you start seeing someone like Ross coming in on this and it's like, all right, wh- wh- where did you aid? <laughs> 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 and I'm seeing that that's the easiest thing to make fun of. And it's going to be probably a little harder to make fun of Varkin because he doesn't have that long history of just doing absolutely nothing inside of another politician's <laughs> office that makes it so easy to to ridicule. Uh, ridicule isn't partisan. Everybody who goes through and does this kind of um, political hack job to get to the point where, oh, you, you're term limited out of office. Um, you are now my heir. That's very easy to make fun of. And it might be a little bit harder with Ross. <laughs> so, Ross, you, but you wouldn't consider working for another politician, I take it? No. You would just keep I'd going. go. I'd go back. I'd, I'd be if I, if I I lose this race, I'll be you know, a full time journalist again. No, and you I, train I don't, I don't for the next staff. one, right? Or who knows? Um, focused on this right now, but right. Um, yeah, I don't want to work with any, anyone else. Well, right as now. a as a Bay Ridge resident, have you been following the the council of race? Of course, absolutely. Yes, and very closely. What's your What's your take on on what's happened so far? Um, you a very you know, a very competitive Democratic primary. Um, I think you know obviously. Justin Brannon won, and he ran a, a solid race. Mm-hmm. I, I think Cotter Elliott's was a very strong insurgent candidate who, who ran also a very good race, um, which I, I was very, um, you know, I was surprised, but also I was very impressed by the strength of his candidacy and, and representing, you know, a, a, a new group in Bay Ridge. But now you have Justin versus John Quaglione. I, I know Justin very well. I know John less well. I mean, I think... Justin make the better city councilman. Um, and it looks like he'll win, but the one thing about that seat is, and Democrats know this well, you're going to have a mayoral race, and um, Bill de Blasio is not very popular down there. I think Nicole Maliotakis will get some votes, and that, that could up boost the John Quaglione vote total a bit. Is it enough to win? I Probably not. I think Justin Brandon is your next city councilman. Oh, wow. We're getting predictions mm, here. There we go. Well, I, didn't, I didn't expect that, but I'll take it, you there know? You go. De Blasio, was he the one who caused that traffic no, on the, the, no. uh, the George Washington? No, we <laughs> went over this, Johnny. We went over this last week, Johnny. That, that was Chris Christie. Ah, uh, it was Chris Christie. Okay, you got to get right. it straight. I got to remember, remember that. He's the governor time. of New Jersey, Johnny. Remember that I for want next you to write not, it. No, I want you to write it down <laughs> 50 times. Chris Christie caused the caused traffic. Caused the traffic. It was 50, Chris Christie. 50 That's right. Times. right. Write it down. Starting now. On the chalkboard. Starting now. You got it. Okay. Thank you, Johnny. You've done it. You've done it again. <laughs> so I want to... What you just said brought me back to... Um, it, it just started me thinking about the, the political parties again. And the uh, and this, this race in Bay Ridge, lots of candidates. 
And what I've always found through the years is that some of these candidates are just there for the sake of taking votes. I think in this particular case, you know, I'm not 100% sure. It's just a hunch. I mean, we didn't report it. I didn't write it. But Nancy Tong, I believe her name was, mm-hmm. got a lot of votes. But mm-hmm. I don't think Nancy Tong was running for that office. Okay. Um, he, she didn't live in the district. Which, which she didn't notable, live in the district. Notable part she of She came here. We had an interview with her. We talked to her about the race. It didn't seem like her heart was in it. It just seemed like she was, you know, going through the motions to take votes. What votes would she take? I don't know. She's Chinese. Uh, she, I'm assuming she got a lot of the Chinese vote. Where would that vote have gone had she not been in the race? And these are the games that I think the political parties play, the bosses play, that kind of stack the deck against an independent like yourself. Um, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think I think she she's been involved in elected office a long time and wanted. You know, she. You know, this was an open council seat, and maybe took her opportunity. I mean, I, I don't. I have no knowledge of if she was taking votes from someone else, and I'm not sure exactly where those votes would have gone. Maybe to Cotter Elliott team, but I, I'm not. I'm not sure though. I mean, those votes could have gone elsewhere too, or those people could have not voted at all. I mean, that that's also mm. possible. That's a, it is a possibility, but I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Those are the, some of the things that sure that I see happening, and and I've seen happen for a very long sure. time. You know, so. Johnny, you got to take another break? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, press a button and another button. Are you still writing that down? How many times have you written? We're at number 12. Chris Christie caused the traffic on the George Washington Bridge. It's the same question. What question did I ask you guys last time? Did I ask you, are you looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price? Or did I ask you, when was the last time you saw... Oh, no. When was the last time Uh. you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? Ross... Uh, probably in March. In March, right? Because you probably went to Dr. Joseph Lichter. You see how I did yes. that? I don't I know like if it. he did or didn't, but I'm just I'm guessing because Lichter is the guy. Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices so that almost anyone can afford to get the smile they deserve. Everybody deserves a great smile. All right? Lichter gives it to you. All right? Right now, his prices are even more affordable because listeners of Brooklyn Paper Radio, that's this very podcast, can get special low prices for Dr. Joseph Lichter's most popular procedures. You guys know about Invisalign? Invisalign are those braces that kind of go behind your teeth so you can't see them. They're virtually invisible alternative to metal braces. They can usually cost $5,000 or more, but at Dr. Joseph Lichter, you will save more than $1,000. Porcelain veneers, which can go for $1,000 or more. At Dr. Lichter, you're only paying $675. So listen, get the bright smile you want. You need, you deserve by calling Dr. Lichter's office today. Make an appointment. Get down there to 1420 Avenue P. That's between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. He's at 718-339-7878. That's 718-339-7878. That's Dr. Joseph Lichter online at josephlichterdds.com. You know, Vince, I'm talking to my great uncle on the phone. He's, he's ready to he's ready to leave his house. He's about to go out for a drive. He's like, listen, I can't find my phone. Uh-huh. I'm like, Uncle, you know, I'm talking to you on the phone right now. It's like, oh, that's right. You know, he goes, listen, my kids are gonna put me in a nursing home if I keep at this. I go, Uncle, don't worry about it. We're gonna put them in touch with Village CareMax. What is Village CareMax well, gonna do for them, Johnny? Village CareMax is gonna make sure this guy gets to age in his own home and not have to go to the old nursing home down the block. That nobody wants to visit them in. Mm-hmm. 
This is how they do it. It's a Medicaid-managed long-term plan. They get a team of doctors working around the clock to ensure that you're healthy, you're happy, you're in your home, doing what you want to do. I think the key here is being in the home. That's right. That's the key, right? It is the because key. Because you don't want to go someplace else. No. You wake up in the morning, you want to be in the same bed you were in last night. You want to eat food from your fridge. Right, as long as it's on the proper diet. That's right. Okay. That's right. It has to be all worked out for you. The best way to do it is to call up Village Care Max. You call them up 1-800-469-6292. That's 1-800-469-6292. Or visit them online at villagecaremax.com. You see what's possible when health is personal. And you know what? You'll live the life you want to live. You want to live. That's it. Village Care Max. Tell them Brooklyn Paper sent you. Yeah, try that. Wow, Johnny, we've done it again. We really, we should probably pre-record those. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, listen, it's Columbus Day, and I know you guys want to get out and watch the ball game, but we might as well talk about Columbus Day. Sure. Because it's a big day. Everyone's off from school. What's the greatest thing about Columbus Day, guys? Tough question. It's the, it's the turkey. I'm getting silence. Day no. off. Day, <laughs> I got off. A day off. No, this is it. I'm going to tell you right now. The greatest thing about Columbus Day is I work on Columbus Day. I drive in from Staten Island, beautiful Staten Island. How long do you think it took me to get here this morning? Ooh. <laughs> 35 minutes. 20 minutes. 20. Wow, that's quick. 20 minutes, and I live right by the ferry. And the typical drive? Typical drive can take anywhere. I'm usually here within the hour. I'm going to give you know, I'll say that. I do drive to work every day. I'm one of those guys, except the days I take the ferry. You got an electric car? I do not have an electric car, but there is electricity running through it. Okay. At some mm-hmm. point. Hybrid. No, no. When you turn it on, how do you think the radio works? That's right. All right? That's a that's a that's an electric, electric radio. Not a gas-powered radio. That is not gas-powered, no. There's a little device in the car that creates electricity, John. It's called an alternator. Oh. You see that? All right. All right I try mm. to teach these guys. you got to teach the kids. The more you know. It took me 20 minutes to get here. It's nice. Which was like record time, and it was just... I could sleep a little extra late, a little later, and all that stuff. That, to me, is the greatest thing about Columbus Day. But there's a lot of talk in this town about taking down monuments, putting... Police around it. Now, Ross, you're running for office. Sure. What's your take? What are, what are you doing here? Um, I, I think I have a few few views on this. One is that we're spending way too much time talking about monuments, and there's a lot of other issues to talk about. But that, that being said, um, I do believe, if you're talking about the Confederate statues, taking those down, I support that fully. I think Columbus, it's a complicated issue because on one hand, Christopher Columbus is a sign, was a, a symbol of empowerment for Italian Americans going back to the 19th century when they were new to this country and were stru- struggling to make it. At the same time, Christopher Columbus, you look at the history of it, really was not a very good person. And there's a lot of suffering that came with the, his purported um, arrival in, in the New World and didn't quite land the mainland. And I understand where the criticism of Columbus comes from, just as I understand why people um, would want to keep the statue around. I, I think I was reading an interesting article from the perspective of art historians, and I think a, a good solution to this is maybe to add more context to a lot of these monuments. I think it, you go out there to a Columbus statue or... We have a lot of statues of slave owners in, in this uh, in this city, and that, that's unfortunate too. But I would say adding context, giving the full picture, educating people about who these people were is a very important thing to do. I, I don't think it's 
really um, pl- plausible to just completely, you know, rename Columbus Circle because again, you you could rename almost anything in the city because I mean we were founded by white, you know, male slave owners and that's a part of the history too. Look, as far as I'm concerned, it's Sixth Avenue, right? It's not the Avenue of the Americas. Mm. It's Sixth Avenue. Rename mm-hmm. it all you like. I'm still going to call it Sixth Avenue. Sure. You know, maybe that would happen if they renamed Columbus Circle. People Columbus still Circle. Call, I still call it the Battery Tunnel. I don't call it the Hugh L. Carey Tunnel. Did they change that? To the yeah. Hugh Carey Tunnel. Yeah, yeah I don't, ah, don't know. Triborough Bridge. <laughs> yeah, the Triborough Bridge is now the, is the John Robert, F. Kennedy Bridge. Robert right, F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Kennedy Bridge. Bridge. The George Washington Bridge. Yeah. Chris Christie. Yes. Ah, with the traffic. That's okay. it. You wrote that down? I did. Good work. Chris Christie Memorial Bridge. Got it. Stay on <laughs> top of it. Dan, you have any thoughts on this topic? I, ap- oh, I, I One of my backgrounds is architecture, historic preservation, and urban so planning. Tell so, me, so, all yes. right, right. so just tell me what a statue is. What is your definition of a, a statue? statue? Why is a statue there? It's there to glorify. It's there to either... It's a usually you have statues coming in right after an event. Usually, um, for in terms of Civil War monuments, it was usually veterans groups that were trying to memorialize their individual garrisons or infantry units, and or it's groups of people that are trying to use a person to represent a struggle that they're having at the moment. That's the example for the Christopher Columbus statue at Columbus Circle, but. That statue, if you think about it, it doesn't have the context of what it was about when it was first placed. It was there on Discovery Day. It wasn't called Columbus Day when it was first unveiled. It was Discovery Day. It was a large... How long ago was that? That was, what, 1892, Mm -hmm. I believe? 1893? Good with the dates. No. I never remembered those in school. (laughs) I was like, do I really need to know? It was a week-long celebration. (laughs) So you just have to remember the week. (laughs) So it was like 400 years since the... "Quote unquote discovery of America." Yes, it was on the 400th anniversary, uh-huh. and the there was a huge parade, and it wasn't just a town; it was supposed to celebrate all immigrants and Native Americans at the time. And readers of local newspaper all put in money to erect the Columbus statue as part of this larger celebration. Mm-hmm. So that's like some of the context of why it was created. Of course. A lot of that is lost when you just decide to embody it within a marble or bronze statue. I agree. There needs to be a lot more context. Um, some of my articles, for example, they're ridiculous, and just the words on their own are utterly fake, but you start hyperlinking into different things through those articles, and you start seeing a wider context of what these criticisms are about. So an individual statue is kind of an empty suit unless you have more context and awareness around it. So we have a Columbus statue, I, I believe, right around the corner here in downtown Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. right? Is that the one with the alligator and the, and the kid? No. Okay. No, Johnny. That's right outside, though. You know what I'm talking about? No alligator with a kid. All right. No. There's only one man with more statues in New York City than Columbus. Wait, how many does he have? I Oh, geez. Now now I'm going to be bad on the numbers. (laughs) But the only one with more is George Washington. (laughs) He's everywhere, Washington. Mm. I'm not even going to mention. I say our first and greatest president. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I say that. Okay. And I say that without, I know about Lincoln. I'm aware. Sure. Why do I think, uh, Johnny, why do I think George Washington is our first? In, well, I know he's our first, but well, why our sure. greatest? Uh, you tell me. Do you guys know? No. Anybody? Dan? No? Because mm. he stepped down. I am. He uh, didn't have to. He didn't have to step down. He could have just kept going. He did two terms. Two and he done. says, I'm done. I'm going back to the farm. I think that's where that expression comes from. Back to the farm. I don't know. Is that an expression even? 
It might be. It they might use be. that in baseball. It is now. I think. <laughs> they take <they> two. <laughs> What's the score of the game, Johnny? It's 3-2 uh, Sox in the seventh. Oh, Runners the Sox on took first the lead. and second. Yeah, Sox took the lead. I want a Sox-Yankees uh, semifinal. That's not the term, but... Uh, I don't I don't want to see that. AL East Championship Series. AL Championship it. Series. I don't, don't want to see Ross, that. you're a baseball guy. Big what? Yankee fan. You want to see a Sox-Yankees? Chris Sale strikes him out. We're going <laughs> to the bottom of the seventh. All right, enough mm. on that. <laughs> you want a Yankees Red Sox? I I, I do. But I also like to see the Red Sox also lose in the division series. So I don't know. That's a tough I, one. But I, I would. I'd welcome. I'd welcome. Still going to vote for you, Ross. I can't. Okay, I, welcome the I can't get. Um, I can't get the Red Sox out quick enough. Okay, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the way I feel. I can't get him out quick enough. All of a sudden, Sale looks like a good move now. Yeah, he mm-hmm. pitched four good innings. Mm-hmm. I want Sox Yanks in the Bronx. We all go together and make it a good time. I don't see it. We've never really hung out outside of work. No. One day, There might be a reason for that, One day. There might be. I'm going to get you to hang out with me. All right, we'll see what happens. Now, listen, the end of the show, what we always do is we just hand over the mic to you guys. All right, so I'm going to let Ross go first. If there's anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about, anything you wanted to bring up, anything you wanted to say, now's the chance. Open mic, go. (laughs) I guess I'll just plug my campaign if you want to. Learn more about it. Go to my website, rossbarkin.com. You can contribute there if you want to volunteer, rossbarkin2018 at gmail.com. If you want an unapologetically progressive anti-establishment campaign, I'm your man. There you go. All right. And Dan? Well, if you want any unapologetically progressive, <laughs> um, absolutely fake news, and <laughs> please go to the Ambrose Light. Um, as well, we're going to be distributing. Um, you, I think you only have one, two, three, four more days to change your party. If you are an independent and you are not a Democrat, you have four more days to change for next year's elections. Are you, are you pointing that at me? Are you oh, I'm, I'm pointing I'm pointing at... Um, there are some people across the, in the across the way pointing over there that the seem listeners. to be in the uh, pointing at the listeners. Yes, auditorily. <laughs> I, I will not change my party. I will remain an independent as an editor mm. of a major metropolitan the weekly. Chief, there we go. I will. I will stay independent. Editor and ah. chief. I will stay independent. And I will not vote in your damn primaries. <laughs> but I will. And Ross, you got my vote. I'm going to get my parents to yep. vote for you. Move to the 22nd Senate District. And we're three in votes right there. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right, so I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap it up. I want to thank our guests. I want to thank Dan Hedix. Hedix? Yep, you got it there. It's tough to spell. It's tough to pronounce. He's the creator of the website, The Ambrose Light. I want to thank Ross Barkin for coming in. And now I guess I'm going to have to have Marty Golden on. Bring him on. Maybe next mm-hmm. week. I don't know. We'll ah, see. We'll Marty. see what we can do. I want to thank Has you guys for coming on the show. I want to thank our sponsors, Village Caremax and Dr. Joseph Lichter. It's Brooklyn Paper Radio. We'll see you next week. Thanks.